0: Welcome to the Missio Day podcast. Missio Day is a family of Jesus, joining God as he makes all things new in Chicago. Check us out online at missiodaychicago.com. So if you've been around for a while, you know that we've been spending a lot of our time this year in the Gospel of Luke. And we do that typically as a church, whether it's the Gospel of Luke or any other book of the Bible, we tend to just open up the scriptures, read them, study them, think how God might be applying these truths to our lives in any given moment when we're studying. That is to say, we don't usually do sermon series that are thematic, based on a theme. We usually are in a book of the Bible. So this series is a little different. From time to time, we do pause. And the reason that we do this is that we feel like there are times when there's certain subject, we still stay rooted in Scripture, not to worry, but it's a little different than our normal way of operating. And today, we're starting into a new series that we're calling Taste and See. And we're doing this because we are going to be talking for the next six weeks about embodied worship in our human experience what does it mean to bring our whole bodies in with worship and i picked psalm 34 because i love how tactile and sensory this psalm is if you read through it that the praise will be on my lips let the afflicted hear and rejoice those who look with you know bringing in sight a poor man called using voice and the lord heard taste and see that the lord is good the psalm goes on and says the eyes of the lord are on the righteous Keep your tongue from evil, the closeness of the Lord, like a physical presence. This psalm is embodied, full-bodied, senses-engaged worship, and I love that. I love that. So today is, beyond being thematic, that is a little bit of a shift for us, but today is a little extra different than a normal sermon. So in part because we have to tee up the whole topic of embodied worship. Before we study how our lives are embodied worship, we need to talk about some of the things that um, get in the way of that, or some some damage that has been done to our understanding of our own bodies. And so this is a little bit different today, but um, even though it's not a normal sermon, I would say with the I believe this has been birthed out of discernment for this moment, for the people who are here, with the people who are here, where we are in this moment of time. It's an important conversation for this community, and we want to launch this series with great intentionality and tenderness, and so that's why today does look a little bit different. For the course of this whole series, one of the root texts that I have been praying into is from Paul's letter to the Roman churches. Romans 1 and two, therefore I urge you brothers and sisters in view of God's mercy to offer your bodies as living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you'll be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing and perfect will. So if I look at this text I ask myself, what does it look like if we really take this seriously? The way we live in our bodies is our true and proper worship. And that's what we're going to start talking about. So that's what I mean when I say embodied worship, our whole lives in our bodies as worship. So we're gonna... Understand some body stuff today, but then we're going to go on through the rest of the series. Next week, Dr. Scott McKnight will be coming, and he's going to talk about an example in scripture, where how a community gathered and was welcoming was their embodied worship. We're going to talk about how living in a posture of surrender is embodied worship. Worship. We're gonna talk about our discipleship with and for one another, our participation in the sacraments, and lastly, our praise, our bodily prayers and song, all of it integrating mind, body, and spirit. You notice that Romans passage I read talks about our living body worship and then goes on to link the renewing of our mind. That's part of what matters, but this integration of mind and body and spirit Coming together to be our lives in our bodies is true and proper worship. So I'll explain more why I keep emphasizing that as we go along. So the reason today isn't typical is that we first need to even identify and acknowledge the problem. And I'm going to do this by taking us through a series of questions. Uh, But first I'm going to stop and I'm going to pause to just pray. So uh, Jesus, we thank you that you understand fully the embodied experience that you knew hunger and you took care of your body's hunger and fatigue and you rested and you cried and you were joyful sitting around a table with friends and you delighted in creation like all of it Jesus you understand and so um I just lift up this morning in my words for you Holy Spirit to refine and to um Keep us tender-hearted and compassionate as we consider, um, consider this topic. So just all that we do and sing and say, let it be for your glory. Amen. Okay, diving in first, we're gonna ask a couple of what questions, okay? What is the purpose? What's our goal? Uh, what went wrong? And honestly, like, what if I don't relate to anything that Melissa is saying right now? We're gonna talk about these things really quick. So what's our purpose? As we are going through this study of Luke, we're talking again and again about following the example and the way of Jesus. We wanna grow and remember um, in this learning, as we're talking about Jesus, we can't we can't forget that that God took on flesh, right? Like, we can kind of look at Jesus like a historic divine figure, which Jesus is divine, 100% and 100% human too. We can get separated from the gritty humanity of Jesus with the distance of 2000 years between us, right? So our purpose is to remember as we're studying Jesus, why his humanity matters. Because Jesus honors the human embodied experience and he understands us. And then not only that, but he offers us the best way to be in our humanness not try to escape it. God entered the human experience. I'm going to read a couple of passages that just remind us of this. First uh, John 1, in the beginning was the word. and that's, uh John is referring to the word as Jesus. John is a bit poetic. It's really lovely. Um, in the beginning was the word. The word was with God and the word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Going on to 14, the word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only Son who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. And then from Philippians 2, in your relationship with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus, who being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used on his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness and being found in appearance as a man He humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. So these passages are just a few that remind us of the magnitude of the truth that God entered human experience. So when we talk about healthy relationship as a church with mind and body, honoring our human experience, it's not new age self-help talk that we're talking about. We're talking about something rooted in the way of Jesus, fully integrated mind and body and spirit. This is Jesus taking on flesh Christ embodied witness that we're studying. And his example gives us a way of how to live into our best possible humanness as well. So that's sort of the purpose is to like remind us that as we go back to studying Luke and Jesus in a little bit. What's our end goal? just to articulate it clearly, so we all know what what our goal is, is to honor the importance of our embodied experience while we're still here in the here and not yet, meaning there is a fullness yet to come, it's not here yet. Okay, so understanding the importance of our embodied experience in the here and not yet as followers of Jesus, and understanding how all of our lives, therefore, can be embodied worship. And some of you are saying, well, but why is that so hard? And I'm gonna give you a couple of things that I think have happened in the church that have made understanding the importance of this and just living in the tension of this kind of hard for some people. I can't answer for all of history or all of culture on what went wrong with understanding solid body in mind. I, just, I can't do that. But I'm gonna make a couple of church observations. So a while ago in one of my classes, we started doing some study of solid body theology. And I was struck with the realization quickly that I didn't even know that I needed to consider the theology of my body. This was a new thought to me. And so I began reading, and this is a book, Body, Biblical Spirituality for the Whole Person by Paula Gooder. It's a great book, um, but here's a sentence in the intro that kind of struck me that I want to share. What if we started shifting our language and our thinking, our practice and behaviors our spirituality and our worship to reflect the importance of embodiment to a sense of self, self self-worth, and life in Christ. And I think that somewhere along the way, I didn't even realize where I'd picked up some wonky body theology. And here's what I'm going to say. A couple things that I think went wrong here. There, in the history of the church, there was a movement at one time. It was called Gnosticism. You don't need to remember that word. But it, it takes a lot of different forms. And the basic premise was that we have um, like, a spirit side and a body side. The body versus the spirit. And the goal was to escape body things to be spiritual. And so it sort of pitted the two against each other in a way that's not correct Understanding and godly sense of what it means to be a whole person, right? And so sometimes I realized, like, I had picked up a version of this. An example in my life is I used to kind of try to get rid of my senses in my prayer time. If I was seeking after God in a moment, I was sort of trying to dull or escape the senses and be spiritually engaged. And I didn't even realize that I had that message, and that message is kind of, Gnostic, right, but there was a sense that these two were against each other, and the body was the bad to be escaped, and I've come to realize the beauty of engaging my senses, that's why I grabbed Psalm 34, engaging my physical senses and my body back into my prayer time, back into my conversations with God, and again, that's not some like new age thing, that's going back to the ancient church mothers and fathers who were doing these practices that helped them to remain integrated, with body and spirit together. Another thing I think went wrong along the way is that Paul, in a lot of his letters, uses uh, language that is translated as um, of the spirit and of the flesh. I don't have time to flush out all of this here, but the way that we hear that in the translations and uh, often can go is like, Paul's clearly talking about spirit, good, flesh, bad. Therefore, flesh, my body, is the bad, this is the thing that is a problem and that needs escaping. I wanna just summarize by saying that's not what Paul is saying when he's using that language in a bunch of comparisons. Um, Paul is not anti-body. In fact, I would just do a short version of correcting that misunderstanding by emphasizing some of the other things that the Apostle Paul says in his letter to the church in Corinth. 1 Corinthians 3.16, don't you know that you yourself are God's temple and that God's spirit dwells in your midst? And in 1 Corinthians 6.19, do you not know your bodies are temples of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have received from God? And so in Undoing that misunderstanding of that language to not summarize that his body is bad, Uh, Paula Gooder goes on and says this that I think is great about this very passage, this flesh language. Um, Where am I picking up? God does not want an ethereal bit of us, meaning like ethereal, I said that word wrong, meaning like an out of my body spiritual high moment, right? God doesn't want that, even if we could decide whether that was the soul, spirit, or something else, unsullied by everyday life. The best, rational, sensible response in worship to God is to give him our bodies exactly as they are, and he will accept them as holy and be pleased by the gift from that Romans uh, 12 passage. It is hard to imagine a more positive statement about bodies than that. That's what Paul is saying about our bodies, and our embodiment matters, but I think in some places what's ended up happening. What I've noticed, I'll say this as an observation. I have had conversations with plenty of people who carry very real shame about their bodies in their bodies or just about their sense of self, which impacts the health of their bodies, I'll say, because they've received that message. Flesh is bad. You know, when we say things like we are, we are sinners in need of grace, that's to say, like, hey, guys, guess what? We're not holy. We're all on an even standing of not being holy, and we needed the holy Jesus to come and make that path, right? But when some of this message about flesh gets construed in our head as body is bad, we only, I have noticed people who have only been able to hear the you're so awful part and they link that to their bodies being something to be avoided or ashamed of and they carry real shame in their bodies and i believe that that grieves the heart of god the heart of god who entered into our own humanity another one we'll get to that i think can make it hard and we'll talk about this in a couple of weeks more about our posture of surrender but i think that a church has had some misunderstanding around dying to self meaning self is bad and it's been misused in uneven power dynamics to, um, to, to do the wrong thing to the wrong party in that equation, uh, to make them uh, to cause harm, to manipulate over, that's been misused. So dying to self is something we'll talk about again in a few weeks, but that's another phrase that doesn't mean self is bad, make nothing of this body and this body's experience of walking through my days. That's not what that means. And then I wanna say this, and I just like pray so much Holy Spirit tenderness over all of this. Outside of the church, you guys, we are surrounded all the time with bodies that are carrying trauma because of things linked to their bodies. So individuals who've had traumatic things linked to the body that God gave them, and they're walking around in that trauma because of misuse of their bodies or misunderstandings about their bodies. Let me explain this and just have so much, hopefully, sensitivity. So I think about the racialization of bodies. How much does it grieve God that my experience walking through a shopping mall is just fundamentally different in many cases than somebody who has a different skin tone than me? That is not okay. We lament that. We grieve that. So when a body has been racialized and that now we're learning about the generational trauma that physical bodies of color carry because of that ongoing generational sin as a nation, then that's the trauma that that body is carrying all the time because of their beautiful body that they've been given and the world has misused. I think of sexualization of bodies. When a body is treated by somebody else as an object, Removing the humanity but treating a body as an object for a purpose of use for us by somebody else. Because that stuff's not okay. But bodies are walking around who have been sexualized and they are carrying that trauma in their body. I think about the minimization of bodies that have special needs or disabilities. When those bodies are minimized in culture, that's an ongoing trauma that is being carried. I think about people who have medical trauma, whose bodies have misfired in some way and they're carrying the mark of that wound in fear and in in mistrust of their own body. You guys, that stuff is really hard and you carry that with your body. I think about harmful gender messaging that has made people feel like they are ill-fitting in their own skin. That's grievous, that's grievous to the heart of God but they carry that feeling of misfitting around with them because of harmful and wrong messaging about who they are. And then of course, there's just the plethora of ways that bodies have been misused by others. When they've been assaulted, when they've been neglected, when they've been abused, when they've been inflicted with violence, all of these things, you guys, what I wanna do in naming that awful list of things is remind us God entered into this human experience, but when we talk about embodied worship, we wanna do it in a way that is trauma-informed because a bunch of us are walking around carrying hurt and shame and misuse, and all of these, these are in our bodies. And you guys, God cares so much about that. We wanna be a church that's informed enough to know when there is embodied hurt so that we can be people of hope and healing and honor the marks of those wounds. So that's why I say, how how did we go wrong? Well, a lot of people around us are feeling those wounds all the time as they walk through their day in their specific bodies. And then for some of you, you're saying, I do not relate, Melissa. What if I don't even relate to what you're saying? And to you, I would say, praise God, you are living fully integrated mind, body, and spirit. You did not get wrong messages. You were not told that your body is bad. You can live gloriously in your body. We need you. We need you in our midst to be a healthy example of what whole and healed can look like. And I give you this example. I was thinking about this. uh, Andy's Stuck at home, he called me. We don't have a single umbrella in the house, so he couldn't get here. But I'm talking about him behind his back, but I already have permission. Um, Andy and I I have been married almost 20 years, and years ago we went through like a really traumatic family event. It was uh, long-lasting, and it was hard and bad. And after we got through it and things started to heal, my body wasn't okay. My body wasn't healed. I was easily triggered. I started feeling numbness in my arms and in my face. My heart started racing. I would have shortness of breath. Andy and I both went through the same event. We talked about it, we processed it. I did healthy things spiritually. We were in prayer, like spiritually, emotionally, we were both healthy. Physically, he was fine. He was able to take that traumatic experience Process it in a healthy way, and his body didn't carry it anymore, and mine did. So what does it mean if you're sitting there thinking, I don't relate? It means that you can be like how Andy acts to me now. When he sees that start happening, he knows, okay, I do not relate to what's going on in her body. I'm making up this dialogue for Andy. I do not get that, but I know it's happening, and it matters to her embodied experience, so I can Get her a weighted blanket. I can, whatever the thing is, right? Like he can know, he can help, he can speak truth. We are not in danger right now, Melissa. Breathe, et cetera, when my body's acting differently. So if you're sitting here and you're like, I am not relating with this list of things of why people carry in their bodies unintegrated, we need you. And we need you to be able to speak truth and to see when some of us are maybe having something in dissonance. And I also just say, like, this is a reminder to us of the importance of doing this embodied experience in community. Because we need each other and we need to see each other with compassion and seek after truth together. Okay, so those are my whys. Or what? Sorry, what's. So how? This part's really quick. If you're wondering, how is a topic like this discerned? I just want to point out very much when we're talking about topics like these, these come up in community, in communal discernment prompted by the Lord. And so I would say that one of the things that's happened, in case you're wondering about the need for this um, whole conversation, this came up because of a group of conversations in all these different places where thematically we were seeing these same things, issues of body shame, issues of uh, awakening to um, different things. Like uh, a couple of people both came to me, totally don't even know each other, within the same week saying, hey, I think we could up our game at, Decentering centering able-bodiedness. How do we become more sensitive to special needs? I'm like, okay, clearly this is from the Lord. The Lord is the one guiding this church, you guys. So we brought us together and we're engaging in some things to do there and some learning. Anyway, the point is, We pray about these things, we listen to what thematically is going on, and we see we've got some people whose embodied experience isn't integrated, and we want to be people who have become more free to fully uh, see our lives as not only important to the Lord, but as our worship that's really important. So, I say all that to say, your experience in this matters. If you have something that you need to process or that this is bringing up in you, or somewhere where I do not have sensitivity to your embodied experience, please reach out. Let's, let's continue on in this together um, in, in this series. So I just wanted to say that's why the topic is discerned this way and your voice matters throughout. And the other thing I wanna say, another quick how, is how are we gonna engage in this? So first of all, I just up front, this. This series is not about talking through the misunderstandings that I just named. We're not going to be talking through like, you know, body shame and racialization, sexual we're not teaching through these things, What we are trying to do and our intention is to elevate the embodied lived experience and how we live in our humanity in ways that are worshiped. So that's what we're talking about. But there are some ways that we can do that that are still sensitive to these bodies that are in the room. So um, there's a couple things that I wanna point out uh, when we talk about Um, when bodies are carrying baggage that needs to to be um, honored in any conversation. So one thing I would just say is like this has come out of a learning about solid body theology. If that's something you want to learn about, I have resources. Like I want to equip anyone who wants to go deeper into these subjects that I'm not going to go specifically deeper into, but I want you to know that they're in the backbone and the foundations of this series. So we have some great resources on solid body theology and why that matters. We also have a group of people, this was another one of those things. where, are like, all of a sudden we found out that four of us are reading the same book, Try Softer, which is about being trauma informed. We're like, okay, clearly God's doing something here. If we have a group of us who are trying to learn about this. So like we have resources, if you want to understand how to be more trauma informed in your interactions or even with yourself, to be more gentle with yourself because your body does get triggered and you just have always tried to shove it under a rock and not addressed it. Um, we have uh, counseling resources that we could connect you to, trusted counseling spaces. We also are trying to grow in that, I mentioned that um, sensitivity to special needs. So. Um, I was listening to this podcast by Amy Kenny. She wrote, uh, my body is not a prayer request, disability justice in the church. Um, it's really important to be aware of special needs. And so we're doing a couple things. We're getting a, like a sensory uh, needs kit, a box with a weighted blanket with noise, reducing headphones with some fidget things for bodies that need to move or be, um, have less stimulation. So we're going to create that space and make it known that there's a space to go if your body is, um, has special needs in a service and things like that. Um, and we're also just having some conversations around this building is so old and so quirky and I love it so much. It is like a kajillion dollars away from being ADA compliant. We would have to knock out huge portions of it. If you have ideas on how we can at least get closer, we'd love to talk to you. We have a group of people who are passionate about this and are studying this. So if you want it, my point is these are all things that we're learning. And we're trying to use as the backbone of this embodied conversation. If you want resources or engagement in any of these things, please, please reach out. The other thing that we're just trying to be sensitive to, and I want to speak explicitly is to be sensitive about what we're learning post COVID. Um, I recognize, I don't know what language you prefer with that. Like I know post, maybe it's not over, whatever. You know what I'm trying to communicate post what we been through the last couple of years um, we know that everybody just had nobody had coping tools we all reached and got different ones that's how my counselor friend says it no one had a coping tool for this so they reached into their coping bag pulled out whatever they found and we're all looking at each other like what are you what are you doing because we don't get each other's coping tools but there was no set coping tool for this and by the way the counselors are all learning in real time with us having grabbed their own stuff out of their bags and so anyway we're trying to be super compassionate that our bodies all, experienced that differently some people really did fine but other people we are seeing huge statistics of rise in anxiety and other mental health issues uh, increased mind and body uh, just stuff going on so we want to be really sensitive to one another and grow in compassion and so i say that because for some of us coming into this space was hard and scary and sometimes like embodying worship in different ways feels like i'm not sure if my body is safe in this world yet we want to be compassionate for one another as we're trying to talk about these things Uh, willingness to hear and learn and grow and seek the holy spirit together because the holy spirit is not shaken is present and with us and is still working even through a lot of our triggered bodies, right? Like the Holy Spirit knows how to work through all of that. And then I would also say this, the overflow room is very intentionally set up in a way that may feel funny post-COVID to walk around in the sanctuary. But during this entire series, there's a space to change your body posture, to kneel or even lie prostate and just pray or worship um there's couches over there and i i forgot to bring out the weighted blanket today but like i'll bring it out and like there's a place to go and sit and kind of you know numb a couple senses so that you can feel calm there's stations here to journal or to draw the kids you guys do you notice that the kingdom of god belongs to such as these right the kids are like hey Expressive worship, I'm all over it. They've already been drawing over there this morning. Join them. Like there's a place to draw, to journal, to write out a psalm or a prayer or whatever you need to do. But the point is this, don't feel like it, this would be so counterintuitive to feel like you need to stay in your seat when we're talking about freedom in our embodied lived experience. So um, yeah, feel free at any time to move around this room. But now I'm gonna get to the why. Okay, I trust this timing. Why this timing? Because I mentioned the Lord has brought these conversations together in ways that can only be Jesus guiding his church because Jesus is the head of this church. And this is how Jesus leads the church is through the Holy Spirit operating through the people who are gathered here. And so um, this is locally discerned. And so if you're visiting again, I apologize if this feels like this is really random, but this is a locally discerned series for us in this time. And uh, I love how God leads this community. Um, and that so many different people were having the same conversation. So that's why these time, uh, this time, and so we want to remember this. Why this time is important is that also it's like the pause in the book of the study of Luke, because we have to highlight God entered into our embodied experience through Jesus, and so we want to consider how our praise, participation in the sacraments, etc., how all of that is living full embodied experiences of worship, integrated mind, body, and spirit. And so like while studying Luke, it's like a time to sit and really sit deep in this so that when we return to the study of Jesus, we watch him living, integrated, mind, body, and spirit in his very human fleshed experience. So that's why this timing. And then that leads us to this last point. Like, why does this matter? This matters because of Christ, our body is the temple of the Holy Spirit. That's a big deal statement, you guys. Because of Christ Jesus, our human bodies are the temple presence of the Holy Spirit of God here and now, exactly where we are in this rainy day in Chicago. Temple presence through our bodies in the Holy Spirit with us. So our embodied worship to God really does matter makes worship not about our experience, really, right? I mean, our experience matters, but like we suddenly realize it's bigger than that. We're engaging with God in the renewal of all things. We truly believe that, that that is how God operates in the world, is through the Holy Spirit in and through us now. And so this this all matters so much. We're longing for this future fulfillment of all things. Absolutely, come Lord Jesus. And we include in that our fully redeemed, resurrected humanity that is still to come because stuff is still broken now there is a fulfillment yet to come but along the way even when stuff gets tricky with our bodies our minds and our spirits and it's hard to stay healthy and integrated and all of that Jesus gets that he gets that challenge in the here and now Hebrews 2 starting in verse 17 for this reason he had to be made like them fully human in every way in order that he might become a merciful and faithful high priest in service to God and that he might make atonement for the sins of the people because he himself suffered when he was tempted and he's able to help those who are being tempted. And then later Hebrews 4 15, we do not have a high priest who is unable to empathize with our weaknesses. We have one who has been tempted in every way just as we are, yet he did not sin. He doesn't just understand our human experience, you guys. He honors it. He honors it enough to bring the divine into our experience, and then guess what? He redeems it, and he gives us the promise that he's not done yet. There is more of that redeeming to come. Ongoingly, we are still being redeemed towards eventual resurrection glory. So living in our humanness with healthy, integrated mind, body, and spirit, again, it's not like scary self-help practice or anything. It's rooted in ancient practices, but more importantly, it's perfected in the life of Jesus. We see it happening perfectly in the life of Jesus. The embodied Jesus matters so much to us, you guys. God could have made a path any way that God wanted to. God chose to do it in humanness, That's amazing. So that resurrection embodied Jesus matters to God and to us. There was a time a little while ago, um, another anxious time. It has happened more than once now. I didn't used to have these anxious, these things. My body has changed with time. So we honor that too. I was having another season of that and I was in a prayer conversation with the Lord and I was feeling, it was during the shutdown, I was feeling very, um, unseen, kind of like lost in it somehow. I don't know, but my body was not doing very well. And I started to just talk to the Lord in my prayer. And I, for the first time in my life, you guys, I thought, Jesus, is your back scarred too? I know your hands are. You showed the fo- your followers. You had Thomas touch them. But your back from being whipped wouldn't have had time to heal before you resurrected is your back still scarred too, and no one knows it? And it was like this, you know, this doesn't happen like this with everyone, but like sometimes when I'm praying, I can kind of like just sense like a loving response, kind of, like a tender answer. And so, um, and the tender answer was just, Melissa, we all still bear scars that the world will never see. There are things that have happened in our bodies that whether or not others know them, we still carry them. But that's why I'm talking about a solid body theology because this book is wonderful, but, uh, the marks of his wounds. The, the fact of the matter is a solid body theology reminds us that Jesus' human flesh is still marked with the marks of his wounds from his lived experience. They're just no longer debilitating. But the marks don't go away. The idea isn't to escape our bodies. The idea is that through Christ our bodies will be redeemed. And in the meantime, we may bear marks of our wounds and it's okay but that starts to become a part of your lived experience and God not only knows it he honors it and he lived it as well and that's why it's important for us to honor our bodies through this conversation so the marks of the wounds have become part of Jesus's resurrected glory and I just think that that matters And I want you guys to all think if anyone has been like thinking about a wound that is hurting and that the answer is to someday escape it, I want us to be people who can come alongside one another and say, what does it look like for that scar to be redeemed in a way that is no longer debilitating but let's honor that it was part of your lived experience it's not to be hidden it's just to be acknowledged as something that matters to the heart of god because in this place now we can look and honor our bodies even with the scars and say like i want this integrated with my whole self as i bring my life into community and before god as my full embodied worship to our lord who has risen in just resurrection glory. So that's why this matters. That's why I I framed this up a little differently. So um, yeah, let me pray over our space. Um, God, in this moment, I pray over the people who have received wrong and shaming messages, even from uh, their church history. And I just lament that, God. Um, and we, we pray for healing because we see you honoring the embodied experience, not covering us with shame, but covering us with your grace, Lord Jesus. Let us shed the shame and get to the part that is covered in your mercy and your grace, standing holy, righteous, and redeemed through your uh, death and resurrection Lord Jesus and for those whose bodies have been harmed by other people God I pray a special tenderness and just compassion I pray that they would know that um, you see them and you love them and um, yeah God whatever we can do to just bring hope and healing to the full experience of our brothers and sisters gathered here like help us to be a community of both hope and action in the healing process and God for those who are feeling really healthy I just thank you for their example Um, I pray that they will just enter into this series with a full um, heart to be leaning in on just learning more about how our lives can be worship unto you. So we do all of this. We gather, we pray, we sing, we do all of it um, just because we want to make much of you. And God, we want to join you in your grand renewal. And we believe that that starts one embodied human at a time. So we give this time to you in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for tuning in. We love to keep the conversation going. Find a weekly gathering or gospel community in a neighborhood near you. To find out more, check us out online at